0: All right, please be seated. Thank you for leading us in our song service this morning. Thank you to our shepherds, to our deacons, to our Bible school teachers. Uh, for all the work that you have been doing as of late to make this church so special, we're appreciative and thankful of you. Carl, thank you for that wonderful uh, communion uh, thought this morning. Really encouraging. We appreciate you and thank you for that. Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we are so happy to see you here with us this morning as we collectively worship our God, the Father in spirit and in truth. And I don't know uh, how many visitors we have in the auditorium with us this morning, but if you're visiting, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. We just simply ask that you take out a card that is in the back of your pew. Uh, Fill that out. We've got a box in the foyer that you can put that card into, or you can pass that card to me or to one of our shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out Uh, to this church, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo, and I really believe that. So we're excited to see you here this morning as we start a uh, new sermon series, which we have entitled uh, Advent. Now, if you stay up to speed with the liturgical calendar, the Christian liturgical calendar, you actually know that Advent started last week. But since uh, we are Church of Christ folk, and I really, really wanted to get through my Attitude of Gratitude series, we're going to start today. How about that? So uh, we're going to start a new uh, four-part sermon series on the subject of Advent, the subject of Advent. And I don't know about you, but the holidays are just always uh, problematic for me because you start off with Halloween or harvest time. And what do you do during that time? You eat, right? And then you go into Thanksgiving. And I don't know about what you do for Thanksgiving, but I eat. And then after Thanksgiving, they have this day called Black Friday. So in the matter of two days, you can become a glutton and a hoarder. So And then after that, you have Christmas. And I don't know what your holiday uh, looks like, but for Christmas, we go up to the Bay Area and my grandmother, she cooks turkey and ham and we eat just like it's Thanksgiving during Christmas time. So uh, it's like three months of eating up everything and relaxing on the couch uh, with family, which we really all enjoy. And they say the average weight gain is about 10 pounds during these uh, three months. But then January comes, right? And everybody has in their mind during January, what are you going to do? You're going to lose those 10 pounds and an extra five just because. So you sign up for your gym membership and you, and you go to the gym and the gym is packed and we all have these uh, resolutions to go on a diet and lose weight and start some good habit or get rid of some bad habit. And I fall into that cycle every single year. I don't know if you do, but I really do. But I tell you what, I love the holidays. I just really do. And in America, you know what our favorite holiday is, right? It's the holiday of Christmas. That's, that's the, the, the favorite one of all in America. But I really truly believe that many Americans don't really understand the liturgical side of Christmas. So this morning, I wanted to flesh out some of this so that you can share it with your neighbors and your family. And I will say that if you have family members or friends or neighbors or coworkers that might be seeking, this is a great sermon series to invite them to, because they're already aware of what's going on in, in the world as far as Christmas is concerned in the season. You should bring them on out to this sermon series, because I think they'll benefit a lot. But let me start off by saying this. You guys look like a good Church of Christ crowd this morning. Uh, And in the Church of Christ, you know, especially me growing up in the Church of Christ, I didn't hear this term Advent used very often. And when I would hear this term, you know what I would think of? I would think of the Catholic Church. And, oh, we don't do anything that the Catholics do. That's not what we do in the Church of Christ. But this term was foreign to me. It's something that we, we just don't use. And when you use it, your eyebrows get raised just a little bit and we go, where are we going with this? Preacher. You see, when we talked about Christmas, we had to be careful even saying the word Christmas in church. You, you don't know how some people take it, and, and uh, we would come up with arguments like this. We don't know when Jesus was born, so we don't celebrate his birth on December 25th. You've heard that, and that is probably true, and we would often say this, too, if you grew up in the Church of Christ. Um, we would say that Christmas has pagan roots, and that the Christmas tree in your house is really an idol. You've heard that one, haven't you? Or is that just just me? But we use things like that to, you know, kind of stay away from this subject material. We would say that Santa Claus is not real. And you shouldn't teach your kids to believe in Santa Claus because you could be tainting them just a little bit, right? So we would say all of those things to kind of scare us away from this idea and this ritual, this pagan holiday But I will say this, the the season of Advent is vitally important to the life of the Christian. If you celebrate Christmas, or even if you don't celebrate Christmas, or agree that Christ was born on the 25th, the season of Advent is very, very, very important. So this morning I want to start off with a a two-minute video clip to kind of open you up to the conversation of what Advent is is all about. So, Mike, if you go ahead and play that clip for us at this time.
1: Waiting. The action of staying where one is. Time passing. Expecting something to happen until one day it does. Advent is a time of waiting, of hope, of anticipation. God tells us in Galatians that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Advent is the church in waiting, the church's yearly reminder each December of what Christians worldwide anticipate in the days before Christmas. We wait for Christmas as Israel waited centuries for a Savior for God to fulfill his covenant. They waited for a virgin son to Abraham's line, a descendant of Isaac, Jacob, and David, for a branch from the rod of Jesse, for a baby born in Bethlehem called Emmanuel. For generations, God's people waited for the fulfillment of countless Old Testament prophecies of a Savior who would light this world brighter than any Magi star. Jesus was the long-awaited hope to a dark and sinful world. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. As Christians wait for the light of Christmas, the four Advent candles are lit with each week's passing, and blue decorates the altar to receive our King with hope. But we know that our hoping and waiting doesn't stop at Christmas because He's coming back on the last day. A second Advent. So, as we hope for Christmas, we continue to wait and pray for our Savior to come again.
0: Thank you, Mike, for that. Well, I just really appreciate this, this concept, this idea of Advent. And I think sometimes we lose out on this whole idea because we stand opposed to Christmas or not, or uh, some people uh, don't celebrate it or do celebrate it. Sometimes I think we kind of lose this idea of thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the first coming and that He came, and because of His coming, He did some transformative work in our lives, but we also can't wait for the second coming. At least I can't. I pray every day that the Lord would come quickly and that he would take me from this place of sin and death and my family and rescue me up so that I could be with him in heaven. I'm excited about that day. So when I think about Advent, that's what I I think about. So. Uh, in review, I just kind of want to touch on that just a little bit. And like I said, I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your history is when it comes to Christmas. I grew up in a church context where you better not have a church uh, a Christmas tree in the church building. You you better not uh, do that. Some of you grew up in a different way where all of that was okay. But wherever you fall in in the spectrum, I just want to set, shed some light on this this idea of Advent. So from this video, we saw that that Advent is a Latin word that actually means coming or arrival. And during this time of Advent, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ, this nativity scene. That's why when you go around town throughout Mission and Viejo, you see all these nativity scenes of a baby Jesus in a manger, and you see the wise men or the shepherds and, and Joseph and Mary and so forth and so on. We celebrate that birth of Christ, but we also wait patiently for the second coming of Christ. And why did all of this have to happen? This arrival of Jesus and this second coming of Jesus, well, it had to happen because of our sin in the beginning, in the garden. So as we explain Advent, I think we need to answer, well, ask and answer this question. The question is then this, what what difference does Christmas really make? What difference does Christmas really Really make so. I want to ask that question, and then for the remainder of our time this morning, kind of flesh out uh, why or what what difference it does make. So I want to look at our first passage of scripture this morning. It's found in Romans chapter three, verses twenty-three uh, through twenty-five. I think the reason Christmas is so special and the difference that it makes—it makes a difference because Jesus, when he came. At Christmas, if you will, the day he was born, he said that our past can be forgiven. That was the part of the Christmas story, the the point of him coming to take away and to clean up our past life, our sin, if you will. And that's what it says here in this passage. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everybody. That's all of us. All of us are guilty. We, We have sinned. We're guilty. Everybody in the world is guilty of sin. We all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came, or this advent process, by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So what makes Christmas so special? Well, we celebrate the fact that our past can be forgiven because of Jesus's arrival in the flesh. We all have regrets, at least I hope we all do. I have some. I know many of you have some. We all have regrets, and guilt has a devastating impact on our lives. It robs us of happiness. It causes depression. Uh, It can make you sick. Guilt does all kind of things to us because we don't understand or know how to get rid of it. And people will do anything to get rid of their guilt. You know, the other day I got uh, a little frustrated with, with my daughter Isabella. She said or did something and daddy wasn't too happy But the thing about Izzy is I don't have to say anything to her. She can tell when I'm disappointed. So usually what she does is when she can tell Daddy is upset, she'll go straight to her room and she'll clean up her room spotless. So she was taking stuff out of her dresser that had already been folded, refolding it and putting it back in. And then when I walk in, she says, Dad, you know, I just felt like I needed to clean my room uh, for no particular purpose, just because, you know. There's something about guilt that causes a response in us. We'll do anything to get rid of that guilt. Some people take drugs. Some people use alcohol and get drunk. Some people try therapy. Some people use thrill. They're thrill seekers to get rid of guilt. They become workaholics. Anything to cover up the things I wish I hadn't done in my life. But I tell you what, there's only one solution to guilt. So if you're taking notes, this this is the one solution to guilt. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. The good news is God wants to forgive you. That's why he came. He wants you to get rid of that guilt and have a new start. He wants to clear your conscience. When God forgives you, there are several things that you need to know about God's forgiveness. First of all, it's instant. Did you not know that? When you give your life to the Lord and you ask for repentance and and, and you ask the Lord to forgive you, he forgives you just like that. No strings attached. It's all over. It's like it never even happened. It's instant. You don't have to wait through a long period of waiting or anything like that. It's just gone right away. What else? It's undeserved. You never earn it. You can't work for it. You can't beg for it. You can't bribe God for it. It's undeserved. And another thing is it's complete. Uh, The Bible says when we confess our sins to God, we give them to Christ. God says their sins I will remember no more. And that's one of the most amazing verses that I think that I read in the Bible that God can forget. God is all-knowing, is all-powerful, but the Bible says here that God will forget your sins and remember them no more. Isn't that a mind-blower? That's something that confounds me. So every time that I make a mistake, when I go to him in prayer and ask for forgiveness and I repent, he says, that's not there any longer. Oh, I wish people functioned that way. But we just don't, do we? I heard someone once say that uh, we can be like elephants. We, we never forget when someone hurt us or sinned against us. But God says, I forget all of those things. That's right. God says, forget the sins you made, the mistakes you made in your in your past, that, that dishonesty you used to have a problem with, that lying that you had a problem with. You used to be a thief that that is over and done with. You made poor use of your words. Forget that. You had a divorce, things happened. God said, You know what? I forgive you all those things are over and done with because Jesus took care of them on the cross. He says, Don't sin any longer. And go forth and handle the Lord's work from now on. So don't dwell and live in the past. His forgiveness is complete. 2 Corinthians, next slide. Chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's the same old person he used to be. (laughs) Right? Or if anyone is in Christ... that problem of sin that that person used to have. It's still there, kind of, but we'll overlook it because they're a Christian now and they're part of the church. No, that's not what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, brand new, fresh start. The old has gone away and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Powerful passage of Scripture. Because Jesus came, our past can be forgiven. Wonderful. What else? Since Jesus came, it tells me that our present can be managed. I want to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know, I've met the most stressed out people in the past six weeks than I've ever come across him. i tell you what, over the past six weeks, I've met some really, really stressed out people. Um, I don't know if it's the economy, maybe it is, but gas prices are down now. We don't have much to fuss about anymore. But I don't know what it is. This life can wear you down, can't it? It can get to you sometimes. Uh, and if you look around, it seems like people are searching for an additional pick-me-up. They need some power in the life because, the, because this life just runs us down. So we eat power bars and we drink Powerade. And, you know, the other day I went to Jama Juice. They have grass that they sell. Do you know that? They sell grass. They'll chop it up, mix it up, and you're supposed to drink it, grass. And it's supposed to give you energy. It's, it's crazy to me, right? And people buy that stuff because they want the power. They need a pick-me-up. So we dress for power, we eat for power, we shower for power. People are always looking for additional energy. And I heard someone once say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. The good news is that when Jesus came over 2000 years ago, he presented us with principles that will help us manage our problems in our life in the present. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it to the fullest. I want you to have an abundant life. And that's why I don't understand why some Christians are always looking so grumpy and mean and upset all the time. Like they've been raised off of pickle juice. And I I just don't understand why when Jesus said, I came to show you how to live. So when I see Christian people, I hope to see people that have smiles on their faces, that live victorious no matter what the circumstance is and you know this passage very well, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. <laughs> I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse number 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Another translation, I can do all things through Christ Christ. Who gives me strength and that's because Jesus came and when he came his his birth his life his death showed us how we can manage life so every day should be a good day if you're a Christian every single day should be a good day if you're a Christian and then lastly what does this Advent story mean to us why what difference does Christmas make the birth of Jesus make well it tells me my future can be guaranteed That's right, it can be guaranteed. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. By the fear of death. The fear of death is a universal problem. The fear of death. Just think about that concept. The fear of death. There are some things that we stay away from because we're fearful of death, right? There's something about the fear of death that causes us not to engage in certain activities. When I was in the army, my drill sergeant said to me, Jason, uh, Private Darden, we signed you up for airborne school. And at first, I didn't know what that was. Airborne school. What, What does that mean? He said, Private Darden, you're going to be jumping out of airplanes. And I said, no, I'm not going to be jumping out of airplanes. As a matter of fact, I'll become a chaplain. That's what I'm going to do, nice and safe, and I'll read my Bible. Not really, but I wasn't jumping out of no airplane. I don't think so. I'm scared of this height right here from down to the state. I'm not doing that. So I wasn't going to do that. Why? Because I was fearful of death. Right? So there's things that were... But what's interesting about about the fear of death is that it's a universal problem. All of us have it. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or educated or uneducated, white, black or brown. We're all going to face death. It's a universal problem. It's inevitable. It's an inevitable fact of life that we're all gonna die. The mortality rate in America is 100%. It never loses. So if we know this, and if we all know that we're going to die, it seems foolish to go through this life unprepared for something you know that is going to happen. It just doesn't make sense. I know someday I'm going to die. Everybody else in history has died. So the question is, what am I going to do now in preparation for that? And someone once says, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die first. So if we know that this is the condition of men and women and children everywhere it tells us that we should be preparing for that. And I understand and know the greatest insurance policy for death that you can ever have is the man Jesus Christ. When he came to this earth the Bible says he defeated death. So how do you make certain of what's going to happen on the other side? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. That's one appointment, you'll not be late for. God has already chosen that time. He knows when you're going to die. He knows when I'm going to die, but he doesn't want you to fear death. And the reason why he doesn't want you to fear death is because Jesus came to free us from that fear of death. And that's the guarantee that you have of being a Christian. When you're in Christ, you don't have to be fearful of death. You know it's just a normal process of life one preacher said that when you die it's kind of like taking a nap and then when you wake up you get to be in heaven with the lord and guess what that's for the christian and that's what jesus did that's the difference that Christi- christmas makes for a Christ- christian death is just a homecoming and it's a transition to better things romans chapter 6 verse number 23 will be our last text for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what difference does Christmas make? What, What difference does it make? Well, it tells us that when Jesus came, he took away our past and all our sins are forgiven because of his arrival in the flesh. When Jesus came, what difference does it make? It makes a difference in that we now know how to manage our problems here in the present. What difference does Christmas make? Well, Jesus came, and because he came, he gave us a guarantee that we'll get to be in heaven with him when the Lord calls our name and we pass on from this life. It's a powerful, powerful story. And that's why I hope and pray that during this season, we'll share that message of Christ with other people that we encounter. This is a perfect, perfect time, perfect time to share forth your faith. It's everywhere. We ought to take this opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. Advent or Christmas is a time to share with the world what Christ has done for you. In our last slide, the question I have for you is this, what difference has Christ made in your life? What difference has he made in your life this week? What difference has he made in your life this month? What difference has he made in your life this year? Someone once told me the most powerful sermons ever preached are testimonies of what the Lord has done for you. So I hope and pray that you'll have the courage to share that message with someone you encounter this month as we continue on in this series of Advent. This morning, we've got a song of invitation selected. If there was someone here that has fallen short, has made mistakes, and uh, has not been living according to the purposes and will of God, this invitation is for you. Jesus came. The Bible says that he'll forgive you of all your sins, your shortcomings, and remember them no more. Maybe this morning you need... You need forgiveness. The church is here. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. The Lord will take away those mistakes you've made in your life. Or maybe this morning you're not a Christian. You haven't given your life to the Lord just yet. I truly believe the reason you're here this morning is to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And what the Lord wants you to do is repent of your sins, confess them, and be baptized. And be added to the church. And we're willing to do that for you this morning. We've got a baptistry ready. Whatever your needs or concerns are, we invite you to come forward together while we stand and sing a Song of Invitation.